0: Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, Fred Oviero.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Ivy Podcast. My guest today is Fatima Abuchi, founder and CEO of Agile Management Office. She is also the founder of Return of the Panda, a not-for-profit focused on improving the mental health of the millions of anxiety sufferers worldwide. Hey, Fatima, that's a lot of things that you do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Fred, for having me. I'm very excited to be here.
1: Yeah, we're happy to have you. Before we start this episode, I have one small request to our listeners. As we continue to grow the Ivy podcast, We would appreciate if you took just a minute of your time to leave us a review on the show because reviews make a huge difference to podcast channels like ours. Now, time for the episode with Fatima. Fatima, you've been uh, doing project management work for quite a long time. Describe yourself and your background to our audience so that they can get a sense of who you are.
0: Yeah, I've been doing this now for just over 18 years. Um, Interestingly, like many people in the project management profession, I fell into it by accident. Um, I had no concept of projects, uh, let alone project management early on in my life. I was always the the, sort of the type of person that would give anything a shot. And I recall uh, basically not succeeding into university at the time, um, wasn't able to get the right uh, ENTER score to, to be part of that. So I went straight into the workforce when I was really, really young and as a result of doing that, it ended up meaning that I was able to start gaining practical experience in organizations. My first organization that I supported had 55,000 employees globally. and was a global manufacturing giant that's still around today. And during that time, very early on in my career, I started to um, support pro- uh, projects and departments within uh-huh. IT around administration. And it was just something I started to do. Then naturally, I started doing administration on projects. And that's where I started getting a sense of what project management really was. And it's basically from there, I just started moving through industry after industry and and different companies as a contractor for the last 18 years to sort of build up that knowledge so I can empathize with project managers and have worked across about 16 different countries, uh, also about 25 different companies, and also about 16 to 18 different industries so far. And I'm not stopping yet. So it's been a very wow. whirlwind of a, of a career so
1: far. 16 countries. That's, that's a lot. Do you, do you have to travel to all these countries? And by the way, to our listeners, Fatima is based in Sydney, Australia.
0: Melbourne oh Melbourne Australia
1: Melbourne Australia uh my mistake yeah. but yeah so do you get to travel to all these countries or or do you do this remotely
0: No I actually have traveled to 16 countries um considering I had a fear of flying that's a remarkable remarkable moment for me but um the biggest piece of work that has led me to international travel has been um, supporting a global implementation program for a big four bank which saw me go across the Asia-Pacific region Uh and then also we've got a a global partnership with a Danish university as well so I've been to Europe um, into Denmark as a result of that partnership as well and and yeah it's been it's been great but having the ability to travel for work obviously not recently but has been one of the the great things of my roles.
1: That's amazing. So lots of companies have now adopted Agile methodology as it relates to how they run their projects. What are some of the new trends in the horizon that will heavily impact project management from your perspective?
0: This is an interesting one because depending on who you talk to, they'll say to you, Agile is not a methodology, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is there is an inordinate amount of methods that sit under the umbrella of Agile. Um, There is, I mean, depending on who you talk to, it goes from, you know, this 6, 10, 15, 20, I think there's 25 talking to some Agile coaches recently as to the scale of which the methodologies in that space are rising. And I think one of the biggest trends I'm seeing particularly in the last two or three years more so is that agile started sort of within the IT space but now Uh it's becoming much much greater than that and you're seeing entire organizations transform the way they they do operations from you know human resources sales product management etc so one of those trends I would say is the agile um, moving away from just IT to whole of enterprise correct I think one of the other things I'm also seeing that may be an impact to project managers is the role of a product manager or a product owner, which, you know, in an agile sort of framework is is quite senior in terms of decision making, etc. So typically, those roles are the ones that are becoming They're kind of becoming, they're having to do some of the work that project managers do, but sometimes large organizations still have them. And so working closely with product managers and product owners is really imperative for project managers that still are around in these organizations. Um, And then one of the other things I think is going to become even more uh, prevalent is the coaching element. When it comes to Agile, the impact to project managers is they need to be better at coaching and the soft skills associated with project management, because that's what's going to help them succeed in an Agile environment.
1: So I want to circle back to something that you just said, which is the role of project managers and product managers working together on the same project. This is actually something that I wrote about on on the book. I I don't want to plug my book here, but I, I find this to be very relevant, especially in today's world. How do you, as a project manager, you know, just give us your opinion. How do you, as a project manager, work with a product manager who, let's say, the organization has never had a situation where a project manager and a product manager are working together on the same project. How do you delineate who does what on the project? Do you have any experience with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. At the moment, I'm in an organization where we've got that exact situation, although it's very common as well. So one of the key things I I see, and now I will say that there's interchangeable skills, but ultimately a product owner or a product manager ultimately is an SME or a subject matter expert in in that particular product or product suite. Uh So they should and need to understand the product inside and out from a customer's perspective and how it fits into the rest of the organization. Whereas in project management, it's all focused around delivery, delivery excellence and delivery expertise. So the project manager and product managers need to work really closely because they, they both have, have to work together because they both have different, typically have different skill sets. Now, you will get some people that have experience in both and they can do the role. But ultimately, I find that project managers help to deliver on either new products or enhancements of products for right. an organization. And so they actually work in parallel with one another to make the change happen.
1: That's great. Um, let's segue to the virtual teams that we're seeing cropping up you know basically in most countries most companies um, worldwide virtual and hybrid teams you know they're now a basic structure of project teams for most projects Mm -hmm. what strategic recommendations can you share on how project teams can succeed without being co-located
0: so it's interesting because thankfully through the work that I did previously around um, you know, the global project management office space, I had to work with um, global teams because we couldn't travel every day to the countries uh-huh. that we were working with. So this one's really interesting. What, what I'm seeing most prevalent at the moment is in regards to we need to make sure that there is clarity in terms of the structure and to ensure that people don't have a perception of power that maybe doesn't actually exist. And the way that you would do that is by clarifying roles and responsibilities. It sounds really simple, but having a clear racy to support um, the understanding across the organisation, across the team, would help with, you know, removing that perception of power that some people might think that they have if we don't clarify. So that would be one of the first things that I would recommend. The second thing I would think is all around knowledge management. So global hybrid virtual teams, it's all about consistent communications, communications that you can access at your own leisure. So don't assume that everything that you do communication-wise within an organization needs to be at a set time and everyone needs to be present because working globally... Uh doesn't it doesn't work like that it's actually quite challenging so you have to have different um, use different tools to enable you to communicate with audiences in different ways that they can access in their own time as well such as recording meetings is one of the things that we like to do as well Um, and then probably the other one I would say is sort of deliberate moments for engagement and collaboration Um, to to we, we assume too much that the the moments we get around the water cooler and all of those sorts of situations that we don't have anymore, particularly when we're working um, in in a hybrid virtual environment, that we don't need that anymore. But we do. And it actually creates moments. So I would suggest putting in a lot of proactive, um, a proactive effort to putting and creating deliberate moments for your team for greater collaboration, providing them feedback and making sure they've got the right tools to be supported.
1: The feedback part is actually very important because you may be in a situation where you don't get to see your manager, you know, especially face-to-face, everything is is virtual. And the the ideology applies out of sight, out of mind. A lot of people mm-hmm. may tend to take advantage of that. Other people mm-hmm. may slack off. So it's a delicate balance, especially in project teams. And you want to make sure that everybody on the team is pulling their weight. So thanks for sharing that.
0: You're really welcome. And I think, Fred, the, re- the reason that's so important is because when you're in an office environment, you know, a lot of organizations have visual um, visual tools like visual walls and, uh-huh. and all these sorts of things. You can see what's going on. But if you're working remotely, the biggest um, challenge is that you make, a, not you, of course, but uh, people make a lot of assumptions around yeah. what's going on. So I was talking to one team yesterday and was explaining to them the importance of governance for within their um, their department. And once I did that, they were like, oh, wow, I didn't realize governance was so important, like so big and so important they now understand. So you have to get communications and knowledge in a way that makes sense for them and the location and the way that they are working. So yeah, it's really important to build that culture.
1: What are some of the best approaches to handling conflicts within hybrid project teams? Please share any examples you may have.
0: So I did touch on racy already. People underestimate that. So I, I will reiterate that. That's one of the first things I look at when working within a new organization. One of the things I've been doing recently with teams is creating a team agreement. So this is an wow. agreement done by, you know, by the squads or by the streams, particularly those that are working in a sort of that, um, you know, agile waterfall hybrid environment. So having a team agreement that is not dictated by management around how you work together, what your roles are, what your expectations, team planning, team engagement. Let the teams decide that themselves. Now, you won't get 100% agreement, but at least if they do it together, they're more likely to support it. So I would stress that a team agreement um, activity would be one of the first things that I would do in addition to the racing And then I would say also you need to make sure there's a level playing field. So often those that are onshore will assume that the people offshore need to adjust their time zone and the way that they work to keep up with us. Uh But just because there's a larger team, say, in Melbourne, it doesn't mean that the people that are offshore are any less important. So you need to create that equal playing field. And you can do that by listening and actually then applying some of the lessons and feedback you're getting and then tracking it visually. And visibly, so people can see that you're actually making change by listening to them.
1: Most project managers have had to deal with at least one difficult stakeholder on a project. I know I've dealt with a lot more than one. How do you normally go about managing difficult stakeholders who may have differing opinions on a project's direction?
0: So this one's really interesting because it is something that does happen almost every single time and it is something Absolutely. we have to work with. Yeah, 100%. So one of the things that I would say is I try wherever I can to get to a general agreement on maybe it's not necessarily the agreement on, you know, the thing that they're debating or the ideas that they're challenging, etc., but more just getting an agreement on, for example, we're doing this particular project or we're developing this product for the customer. Do we agree on that? Now, typically getting them to agree on something is Uh better than disagreeing on everything. So I would, yeah, correct. It's a hundred percent. It's the first step. And then you need to listen. So often we make assumptions that what we think is, you know, the most accurate or correct. And we we sometimes don't have time. Everyone's so busy, but you need to listen. So I would typically listen to the concerns of the stakeholder and, I had a really challenging um, technology manager that I used to work with a few years ago, and it didn't matter what we did. She just absolutely disagreed with everything. And there will be people (laughs) that are like that. There's
1: there's that everywhere.
0: It is. It's everywhere. and, And you can't get away from that. So I think one of the things you can't get away from and everybody will have to agree with is the facts. So again, back to knowledge management. One of the things that I like to do is utilise facts, not emotion, to have discussions with these, you know, these difficult people, um, and give them an opportunity to share that, that I'm listening, and then show them that there's, you know, it's not just, you know, they say there's no I in team, so it's about the team. And if 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 one person is being challenging, and the rest of the team's on board, then we we just need to work together to move forward to a to a point where we can get an ag- agreement on what it is that we're trying to do. But it is a case by case basis. I yeah. can't tell you that I've done the same thing with each. The one thing I will do though is always listen to their point of view because I may be missing something.
1: Yeah, you gotta be open to other people's opinions. And I think you, you hit the nail on that. Now, I wanna talk about the future of project management, you know, based on how you see it. Advanced technologies such as artificial intelligence and machine learning are becoming part of new innovations being introduced in many organizations. Do you foresee such technologies affecting the role played by project managers in the workplace?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I think there definitely is. Um, one of the things I would say is that I think it's more on project management as a whole, as opposed to the individual project managers. Uh And the reason I say that is because project managers need to, if they're not already focusing more than ever on their soft skills, which you can't replace. Um, So I think that sort of artificial intelligence will actually complement project management and help to increase productivity. Well, that's what I believe it will be doing anyway. I'm starting to see some elements of that, or at least I did probably a few years ago, where we've seen project portfolio management software that exists that, based on feedback from you know the, the project managers entering or stakeholders entering the status of a project, it would actually read, um, you know, there would be different sort of um, uh, mechanisms within the tool to actually read and and ascertain how the emotions of the person who was writing, so it could actually read the emotion, right. the person writing, which was really fascinating to me and I'd never seen it before. So I think there will be things like, you know, it'll be help project managers to better schedule projects. It'll probably identify and automate resource management. It'll probably help with the stakeholder emotions and feelings as I sort of just outlined. So there will be a lot of different characteristics that I think will come into play in here. But I think it's in project management as a whole, not necessarily the project managers themselves. Um, and that's it would
1: just, yeah. So, so yeah. Do you basically see it as a complement to the role played by project managers in project management versus it being a threat to the profession.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, th- there's definitely going to be probably threats that apply. You know, industry by industry. Um, I seen a some, some some robotic machine that was bricklaying the other day. Um, you know, unlike my husband's a carpenter, so I saw that and I was like, oh, that's interesting. But you know, y- y- you're not going to see that. Um, you know mix necessarily mix the mortar or or figure out if one falls off what to do you know they they don't have that problem solving soft skills that are needed and I think that's what project managers bring so definitely complement and definitely can help you to increase productivity so if we use it wisely
1: yeah because I've, I've seen applications and I'm familiar with applications such as robotics process automation which is basically uh you know, they, they are more very, they're very binary. It's, it's one way or the other, and Mm. there's no soft skill application. It's more about automating, you know, repetitive tasks, but you're right. There's situations that will require, you know, an abundance of soft skills that robots at least, you know, in this moment in time, they cannot provide that.
0: Yeah. A hundred percent. And remember, even if we want to go and automate something and a lot of, um, a lot of organizations go in and bring in different tools to start automating, but they don't even have the fundamental awareness around process. You know, they have to define and document and understand their process before they automate it. Otherwise, you're wasting yeah. time yeah. and you're going to be reworking. So we just have to think about that as well.
1: Right. Now, moving on to your other job, you teach project management courses to university students, I believe, in Denmark. And yes. on top of that, you, uh, that's, you know, that's... Also, side of what else you have going on, you know, I'm going to go into the return of Panda in a moment. Sure. With the rate at which news trends are emerging, have you had to make alterations to the course material that you teach your students?
0: So this is the, this is the best thing about what we're doing. So we partnered with the university and got, we actually recently got extended again because what we're trying to do is to do learning differently. We're bringing academia And corporate so academic academic theories and corporate practical experiences together and doing so means that we're collaborating in real time we're actually using products um, like teams and things like that to actually collaborate Uh in real time with the students and rather than set and forget and put together you know a lot of methodologies take years and years and years to define and rewrite and then there's a new edition every four or five years right what we're doing is We may revise one week to the next based on practical experiences that are happening within the project management profession that we're seeing with clients to make it real for students. And so it 100% is alterations, but the approach that we've taken enables us to do that in a swift, um, agile, effective way. That is what the university is actually really enjoying Working with us for. So, um, students actually get really practical, up to date information, not a boring, you know, project management 101 course that yeah. was written five years ago and it may no longer be relevant.
1: That's wonderful to hear. And, and that, that's good. And I'm actually hopeful that that's something that's happening across, you know, different academic institutions where people are learning not just project management, but all of the skills because with time, things become outdated and we need to stay relevant and fresh.
0: 100%. It's it's the approach and the process you take to doing it that leads to the outcome. And so we've defined an approach and a process that is working. And we're now just actually piloting our uh, introductory project management course that we've obviously co-designed with um, academics in a real life corporate environment in in, in a global automotive environment. Um, uh, organization and so we're now taking what we're, we're doing with students and, and applying it in corporate and vice versa so it's really exciting it's one of the things I'm really passionate about
1: that's great now speaking of passionate I know you're also passionate about um, your other endeavors all uh, year when I made the introduction I introduced you as also the founder of Return of the Panda could you talk us through what Return of the Panda does and what was the reasoning behind you starting that
0: yeah absolutely So Return of the Panda, as the name suggests, relates to the emotion and the feeling and the look that you have after, if like me, you've had, you know, challenges, mental health challenges, I've got anxiety, and I've had that for most of my adult life. And, you know, after a really, you know, um, a really sort of unhappy day, I I end up with bags under my eyes or makeup smudging and, and things like that. So that was then where the name came in. But the reason I, I've I've been working as a volunteer for our biggest mental health um, organization here in Australia, and I hear a lot of stories. I've spoken at fifty events, etc. And one of the things that's come true to me is that anxiety itself um, is is really different for each individual person. It's so different; it's fascinating how different it is, and. Because it's invisible, I want to give it a voice and make it more, make, create more awareness around it, but from a situational perspective. You know, how do you feel when you get anxious in, you know, in a cinema or getting anxious in a corporate setting or anxious traveling and, you know, my fear of flying? So I want to make it real by bringing that situational lens to it. And so Return of the Panda is both going to be providing um, educational uh, services based on situational anxiety and also a range of products and, of which one of the first products that um, has been released is on our website as well. It's a coping card um, box set that has been created personally by me and I've used myself to calm me down and ground me in the moment to catch catch the moment before my anxiety elevates. So it's something that we're doing as a not-for-profit that we'd be looking to, yeah, do some more work with corporates and and other organisations as well to continue to grow the message and remove the stigma associated with mental health.
1: That's a fabulous idea. And, and by the way, congratulations on, on what you've achieved on that so far. I think this is actually very relevant in even in project management. I've seen a lot of project managers get nervous, get anxious before a steering committee. And mm-hmm. people need to find a way to keep themselves grounded and keep their okay. eye, you know, focused on the goals versus worrying about other things that may or may not be, you know, within their control. So I'm, I'm actually excited to see that you're providing an avenue where people from all walks of life, different industries uh, can actually come and look at that and see how we can help them personally, you know, overcome any anxiety issues that they may be dealing with.
0: Yeah. And the best thing about it, the, the best thing about, you know, the reason why I created this product specifically is because a lot of the time when I've had really anxious moments, I've ended up in the, you know, in the bathroom stall in the office um, crying or, or just, you know, hiding how I was feeling. Not, not Most people aren't comfortable sharing how they feel and letting people know they have anxiety. So this is something that you could use in private, anywhere, anytime, which is something we have to understand that a lot of mental health avenues out there, they are more public. So, you know, you, you call a phone line, you have to talk to someone, whereas I'm trying to provide alternative options because we're all different. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting Um, opportunity. And I did have to use project management and product management, actually, those skills Uh interchangeably to develop this. So it's, yeah, it's been really good.
1: Awesome. My last question. um, I, this is, I, I always tell every guest, this is probably my favorite question because we bring in people from C levels, you know, managers, directors, and you always want to understand how did this person get to this level? So what has helped you get to where you are and what what of advice would you give to someone that wants to pursue a career that's similar to yours?
0: So one of the first things I would say is I was willing to try almost anything. Um, so when I was early on in my career, because I wanted to get as much experience as I could, I put my hand up to help out the electric electricians that worked in the in the corporate buildings maintaining. I helped out in the server room. I just observed what they were doing. I supported project managers. I remember doing reception, you know, for an hour when the receptionist was on lunch break. I helped HR teams out, you know, with filing, whatever it might be. So one is I always, always said yes and put my hand up. Anything that was offered, you know whether it's a train the trainer course, first aid course, whatever it was, I was always, always saying yes, and that was really easy to do early on in your career. That's one of the one of the things that I would do, and, and I would suggest people do, especially early on in their career. The second thing that I think is really important is for me early on, I didn't know much about, as I said, project management, so I was scared that if I would stayed in one industry, that that would mean oh. that I would be possibly out of work in future. Now that's obviously not true, but <laughs> I actually then learnt to seek opportunities out in multiple industries to give me that experience that I can then use um, from different companies as well. So it gives me more options. And that's something that I definitely think has really helped. So they'll probably be the two of the things that I would suggest for people early on. Um, And then also just treat people with respect and kindness. Doesn't matter where you go because that will follow you. I've still got colleagues that I worked with in my first job that we work together in different Uh avenues now that you know, because of that relationship and networking that you need to build. So build your network um, and think of yourself as a personal brand as well. Um, It may sound like, well, why why would I do that? But that is what has helped me to get to where I am today. So that would be probably the top three things that I would suggest.
1: Fatima, I've really enjoyed our discussion. Thank you so much for being with us today.
0: You're Very welcome. Thank you, Fred. And um, I look forward to uh, listening to more of your episodes. Wonderful. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ivy Podcast. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform.
1: We really appreciate
0: that effort. Until next time.